are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. It was originally inspired by the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years, and it now complements the work that I do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but first, a thank you to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. If you don't know them, they are the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they're dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Thanks, Jobbing.com. Great partnership. Last week, we were on the air with Dr. Sam Alibrando talking about how to develop emotional intelligence at home and at work. He's the author of The Three Dimensions of Emotions, Finding the Balance of Power, Heart, and Mindfulness in All Your Relationships. He gave a crisp and compelling interview that helped us understand what he called Working the Triangle, a unique practice that provides a compelling yet practical roadmap that can help us move from painful reactivity to productive proactivity in our relationships. He has been studying this topic for 35 years, so he had a lot to share. It was a great conversation. For this week's conversation with me is Millie Brown. She is an award-winning author, columnist, and founder and publisher of Brown Books Publishing Group, which is a full-service independent publisher committed to producing high-quality, award-winning books of all genres. We'll be talking about her background and how she got into the publishing business, hear a bit about the traditional world of publishing how that works versus the disruptive practices she's employed toward relationship publishing and some of her advice for aspiring or budding authors. She joins us today from Dallas, Texas. Millie, it's great to have you with us. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you, Elise. It's great to be here. Yeah, I am so looking forward to this. As um, you know, that our listeners don't know, I loved meeting you in person after all the years of hearing about you from some of my friends who worked with you. So having you on my show is a true pleasure. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine, so I, uh, I, I just, uh, <clears throat> I'm so motivated by and so excited by what I do and sharing my message. For many years, I used to teach a publishing 101 class at colleges and universities, and I'd be standing on my feet till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and I would always get a standing ovation because there, the people were just so so hungry for knowledge about publishing, and so this is so much easier than standing on my feet until 11 (laughs) o'clock at night, so thank you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to give you a pulpit and a microphone. Um, well, well, first to get us started, Millie, I mean, you know, because of our discussions, I've been investigating meeting and work for some time, and I like to know why people get into the fields they do. So first question, why publishing? Um, you know, it was, I hate to use the word, I'm not going to use the word fluke. Um, it was, you know, life just happens sometimes. And, you know, we end up going, if we just, you know, take that step in the journey going down the road, you never, ever know where it's going to take you. And I actually started out uh, with a little company called Personal Profiles that I started back in 1990 because my passion at that point in my life was to help people preserve their family histories. 
because personally, I started losing special loved ones in my life, and the reality hit me that, boy, if you don't write anything down, it's, it's all these wonderful stories that you heard, just their lives are destined to be forgotten. And so I started a company to help people preserve the, the stories and the, the, the life history of loved ones. And I will have to say that personal profiles was just a, a an immediate hit. It was something that um, I think its time had come, and I, you know, my little business took off like a rocket, and uh, I was getting phone calls from people constantly that were hearing about me through word of mouth. Then Neiman's, uh, we're in Dallas, we're, we're home of Neiman Marcus, and they had me come down and and share my my service with with their customers, and I developed a line of retail products. So um, I was off and running, and I was doing books. We would interview people, write the story of their lives, and then we would print and bind books for the family. And when I say for the family, maybe they only wanted five books, or maybe they wanted ten or twenty, but these were not commercial projects, and they certainly weren't books to go in the bookstore. So uh, I was doing that for several years, and I started getting phone calls from people who would who would call me and say, you know, I, I was referred to you by my grandfather, and you published his memoir, and he told me that you could help me with my 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 uh, cookbook or my children's book or my self-help book, and I would just sit there and scratch my head and think, why would he tell them that? <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> not what I do. I was doing leather-bound heirloom books with beautiful custom papers, and these were special books just to be handed down from generation to generation. So I was so honored. I mean, I've always been honored by referrals, and I certainly, certainly want to take good care of them. So I thought, well, let me just figure out who I can refer these people to, because I knew nothing about this thing they called publishing. And so I got on the phone, and I always joke about the fact that in the early 90s, and those those that are listening don't really, half of the audience, I don't know how, the age, the demographic of your audience, but a lot of people just can't imagine the world without the Internet. Well, this was before the Internet, so what you had to do is you got out the yellow pages, and, you know, I looked up Simon and & Schuster and, and Random House, and I started calling, and I thought, you know, I'm going to just ask how, what I can do with these people who I can refer them to. Well, that didn't work very well because no one was very friendly, and um, I thought, well, what am I going to do? Well, uh, one day, a, a little light bulb went off, and I thought, you know what? I'm doing books. I'm I'm actually, I have people doing the, the layout and design and covers and printing and binding. I actually could help these people um, create the book. And so I started out very, very, very innocently. I thought, you know, if I do, I remember thinking this, if if I do one or two a year, that'll be kind of fun. And that was kind of just my thought process as I was just sort of sticking my toe in this water that I wasn't thinking any further than one or two books a year. And I would help people what they call self-publish because I would even say to them, 
um, what do you want the name of your publishing company to, to be? And I'll put it on the spine of the book. And so they would tell me, and I put it on the spine of the book. And when the books were printed, they would come to my office, and we would load up their minivan or their SUV, whatever, and they drove off into the sunset, and they were happy. I was happy. We celebrated. And I had done what they wanted, and life was good, or so I thought. But what what I start what started happening was um, you know it, um, with such regularity that uh, thirty days out my phone would ring and these same people were on the other end of the phone and, and at first I thought well isn't that special it's only been a month and they're already out of books and they need more books <laughs> well no not so much. Um, they actually, uh, the questions uh, were sim- more like, Millie, do you have any ideas as far as what else I can do to sell these books? <laughs> and I had no. to say, no, that's not what I do. I th- did you not know what you were going to do with all these books? I, <laughs> I didn't think to ask you that question because I, I would have thought that would have been insulting that, <laughs> that you ha- weren't prepared to have a couple thousands of books in, in your garage. And um, so that's when I realized that authors do not, do not need books. Authors really do need a publisher. They need someone that's in the industry, someone has connections in the industry, someone that knows everything that needs to be done. And um, that is when I thought, do I want to be that person? I mean, this has been kind of fun. I've liked it. I like working with the authors. And this is really, you know, I, you know, I never know, you know, what kind of project I'm, I'm going to be working on next. Uh, do I want to be a publisher? And I thought it through and... Um, and I thought, I think I would, I think I would like to do that. And so, um, in 1994, I spun off Brown Books Publishing Group, trademarked a new era in publishing, and I officially became a publisher. Now, the new era in publishing was um, really because of the fact that I had done my research by that time, and I had realized the traditional publishing, I got a real good sense of how the traditional publishing world worked, and I'd seen several contracts, and as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman, I looked at the, the contracts a little differently than most authors do. Uh, an author is just excited to get a contract. I looked at it as a business document, and when I looked at my first traditional publisher's uh, contract, I didn't. I, I viewed it as something to me was very egregious. I thought this contract is going to steal all the rights. I mean, not, I shouldn't say steal. It's going to take all the rights away from the author. This contract is not really going to be equitable when it comes to the distribution of the of the profits. Once they start coming in, and you know, I'm uh, the author doesn't have any say so in any of this. That the publisher really has all the control, and I didn't want to do that to authors. And so I decided to create a business model that was unheard of back in the early '90s. Um, I thought I wanted I want to do everything that Random House does, and I want to be just like Random House, but I don't want to be. Um, I don't want to have these contracts. I want the authors to retain the rights to their work. I want to I want to do the best job 
possible in collaborating with them and create something that we're both going to be really ecstatic about and something, obviously, that is able to be marketed. And I'm going to charge for my services. And then when the money comes in, when the books sell, I'm going to give all of the profits to the author. Well, that was, you know, it's, it, it, to me, it just made perfect sense because whether, you know, uh, people, you know, people in New York, still there's some people to this day that just can't wrap their heads around that because they think only they can create a good book. And, and if the author pays for something, it must be tainted. Well, you know, guess what? If I have integrity and if I, you know, when I put my name on the spine of a book, it's a good book. And in my mind, I was always competing with Random House. Even when I was 800 square feet in Dallas, Texas, I was competing with Random House. (laughs) And today, uh, you know, I'll probably jump ahead of the story, but today we do. We, you know, we go head to head when it comes to that valuable shelf space in the bookstores, when it comes to sales and all the distribution channels. I mean, we, it took many, many years for my business model to, to catch on because I was was, you know, um, you know, as, as they say in today's, I love disruptor because, you know, the first time I heard that, uh, I thought, well, that's, you know, I was a disruptor, but back then they called me other words, and I they weren't flattering. They did. <laughs> I bet they did. Um, well, you know, we can hear it, Millie, in your voice. It's so wonderful to hear you talk about your story because there's clearly excitement in it, and you love what you do. But what do you love about what you do? You know, I think it's a it's a combination of I get to work with the the coolest people. I mean, you you said you can hear it in my voice. I hear it in my author's voice. Um, you know, when you get two passionate people together, I mean, it's you know the author brings the intellectual property, I bring the expertise. And we both want the project to succeed. I don't take a project if I don't feel it it has the potential to do well because, as I said, I charge for my services and I I have enough good books to keep me very, very, very busy that I'm looking for books where the author, when all is said and done, is going to have um, a success. And, and success, you know, you can't pin me down on that one because it means... To, you know, if I have a hundred authors, what they each and every one of them wants out of it is so unique. And so I listen and I listen to what it is that they want to get out of this process. And that's what we do. It's, it, it doesn't matter what I want for them. And unless they have, you know, more potential than they realize, then of course we'll chat. But everybody's different. I had one gentleman who wanted, um, he didn't even care about selling his book. Now, that drives me crazy. I just don't like that. He used to give it away, and I, you know, it's just, to me, they have such great value. But he was looking at, he was looking at his book to grow his business. He had, he had previously self-published before he came to me, and when I reviewed the book, I told him, I said, you need to cease and desist selling this book because it will put you out of business. It, 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 it had mistakes in it, and this was a financial guy. And I said, I, I, trust me, when I tell you, if I had seen this book, you would never, ever, if I was looking to, at you as a client, uh, you would never get my money. So we fixed his book up, and after the, the good version, the, the new version came out, uh, the new and improved, uh, his business, he was constantly hiring people, he was constantly expanding his office, and um, he eventually sold his business for a lot of money, and he came back 12 years later, he's in another business, and we just did another book for him. 
So, you know, so I, I love, what I love about the business is getting to collaborate with really interesting people, people that are sincerely excited about what they have, because quite frankly, the author has to be passionate about what they have, because I, as, as excited as I can be about it, I cannot go on the Today Show, uh, nor should I, talking about their book. It's not my book. You know, mm-hmm. I have to push them out on the stage, and most of my authors, I don't have to push anybody anywhere. Uh, I have a very uh, assertive bunch of authors, but um, <laughs> we, 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 are, we work together to create something that is the best it can be, and it's never... It's never, you know, we don't take control of a project, and a lot of people are worried about that. So when it comes to the editing, I always tell the authors, it's going to be you, only better. And that makes people's stress level goes way, go way down because, again, I have, a, I have a lot of control freaks that I publish for. And, you know, but they're smart enough to realize that they need a good editor, they need a good publisher, they need someone to, to look out after them when it comes to something they don't know anything about. But the creativity and the people um, is what really fuels me personally. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people that have wanted to buy my business, and I've had to say, and then what am I going to do? Yeah, you know, exactly. I've been my I'm, day. I'm, my God, you know, seven days a week I'm here. So e- either I, I love it or I'm crazy. <laughs> well, because that I is just, a... This, yeah, Millie, that is a wonderful me. way to take us into the break. I love your enthusiasm. I love the fact that you just get jazzed with your creativity and your collaboration with your with your authors. That's great. So hold your next thought. I'm going to grill you for more. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Millie Brown. She is an award-winning author, columnist, and the founder and publisher of Brown Books Publishing Group, which is a full-service independent publisher committed to producing high-quality, award-winning books of all genres. She joins us today from Dallas, Texas, and we've been talking about how she got her start in the business. After the break, we're going to talk a little bit about how the industry is changing and where it came from, where it's going next. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. 
On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Millie Brown. In founding Brown Books Publishing Group, Millie ushered in a new era in publishing, helping authors navigate the often complicated world of publishing and offering expert guidance in manuscript development, creative design, fulfillment and distribution, marketing and public relations as well. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Let's pick up where we left off. Just before the break, I, I was wanting to talk with you a little bit about where the publishing industry has been. I think a lot of people that are probably tuning into the show are probably aspiring authors and hoping to get some inspiration and guidance from you. So I know that when we talked, I was very interested to learn about really where where, where has the industry been. So would you please just kind of narrate for us, Millie, just where is it? where did it come from? How did it begin traditionally? Traditional publishing, and when we talk about traditional publishing, of course, we all think, uh, at least I do, uh, it all began in New York. I mean, New York is the the mecca where um, all of the major publishers uh, got their their start and where they still are, and um, the the industry... um, um got you know we're we're talking you know they've got hundreds of years um on me and um the traditional publishing uh sprang up in a uh, in different ways but what it morphed into and what became what I was talking about a little bit earlier what became what we call publishing is the publishers would um offer a contract if they found a manuscript that they liked and they um, they at some point in time, and I'm not sure exactly when literary agents came into play, but literary agents were people that the publishers decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna let them um, go out and find manuscripts that we can then look at publishing, and if we're interested, we will make an offer to a pub to an author. And um, we will do everything. We will be in control. And um, that's kind of a little bit of what I was referring to earlier that I, I find, um, you know, so disin- that I don't like, that, that would not work for me. But that was what publishing became all those years ago. It just sort of, this is what publishing it is. It is. Um, you know, I have a COO that originally, uh, many years ago, he's from New York, and he's worked at most of the, the major publishing houses. And um, he, when he came to work for me, he reckoned, recommended a book to me called At Random, and it was the beginning of the beginnings of Random House, how Random House became 
uh, came on the scene and how it uh, started. And, and I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody. I don't even know if I told him. But I couldn't get through the book. And I hate to say this, uh, but it was, you know, his Bennett Surf's father gave him, I think it was a million dollars. And back then, that was like a billion dollars. It would have been a lot of money. And he just, you know, just... I couldn't relate to that. I am such an entrepreneur that, you know, somebody coming coming in and having a lot of money to play with, and they, you know, all the publishers in New York, they were all friends, and they all were cut from the same cloth, and they created a, a business model that had all the power, all the control, and um, the authors were content providers. And I, again, I find so many problems with that because I I look at my authors as much, much more than a content provider. And I don't deal with agents uh, because I want the author to make all of the money. So, you know, the, the tradition... The traditional model that was established all those years ago um, was just, you know, it was sort of... Uh, it was, you know, no one dared go outside of that model, and I was the first person to come along. I was the first disruptor. I was the first independent publisher, whatever you want to call me, and I had in my mind, I knew that I could create as good a book as the experts in New York, and um, I knew I was going to be swimming upstream for many, 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 many years, but if I just continued and if I just didn't give up and 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 at some point in time, you know, um, it, it, the doors will will open. Uh, I wasn't exactly sure how that was going to happen, but, boy, I had to tighten my belt for many years until I started um, being accepted just little by little. And, um, you know, so the industry has, um, because, and I think in 08, 09, when we had the recession, there's been a lot of changes. A lot of, a lot of publishers went out of business. A lot of uh, they've, um, and I attribute it. And again, you have to remember, you know, when I used to teach my publishing classes, uh, I would always tell people about different types of publishing. And before I would ever talk about brown books, I used to say to my my students, I would say, now you, I, I want you to know that if I sound like a commercial, uh, it's because I'm really proud about what I do. So you'll just have to, you know, bear with me. So I always. <laughs> like I found that issuing that disclaimer kind of makes people relax a little bit because I really am very biased about what I do. Um, the only reason I think people should sign a traditional contract is, number one, if they're not entrepreneurial and risk-reward scares the bejabbers out of them, or if they get a million-dollar advance. Then I say, go for it. If you wanted to sign with me, I would think you were crazy. <laughs> it's just like, you don't go, you know, sign that contract immediately. But, you know, I just, I love people who, you know, that are, because those are the, the, the people that I work with are the ones that come in. They have um, all of the, you know, they're, they're so excited about what they have and they're motivated and they're going to go out there and make it work. And that's, that fuels me when I see people that are going to, to work very hard because if you have a traditional contract, you may be getting a dollar a book every time a book sales. And with my business model, if you're selling directly to the end user, you could be getting 25 or $30 a book. At the very least, you're going to get you know, 35% instead of 10% of net, which is a traditional contract. So it's a huge 
different playing field altogether when it comes to business. And that is one thing that I drive home to people all the time, that publishing is a business. And um, if, if someone doesn't understand that and they would be more comfortable letting a publisher take the reins and handling everything, I don't have a problem with that because that's not a good fit with me. But, you know, I'm, I publish for lots and lots of um, very powerful people, people who are accustomed to being in charge. But I also have a lot of, uh, lately, actually, I've, I have several, a number of New York Times bestselling authors that have come to me because they, um, they like our business model better. And so um, the, the, the landscape of publishing has, in the last, um, I would say for sure in the last, five, six, seven years has, um, no, well, I don't know, it, you know, it's, it's sad, and I, and I want people to understand, be very, very, very careful when you're looking for a publisher, because uh, when I got into the industry, there was nobody, there was nobody, it was me and the traditional houses in New York, and today there is literally everybody, I mean, anybody that can put up a website and say, oh, I'm a publisher, you know, come, come and I'll publish your book, and 90 percent, maybe 99 percent of them are not really, um, they've got, just Google, <laughs> just be sure, that's, that's what you have, you know, an author has going for them in today's world, just Google and make sure they're legit and you don't see all kinds of problems because I'm in the industry, I hear the problems and I, you know, I just wish that there was some force in the publishing world that was there looking out for authors, and there isn't. There, there's, it's, it's very, it's very shameful. But there's even the the big powers that be, as far as the the the, the literary magazines, they won't even. They won't even tell authors the companies that they should be wary of because some of those companies are buying ads in their magazines. And so mm. it's gotten, it, it used to be so pristine and it was so elitist and, and nobody, you know, everybody, it, it's just changed. The landscape of publishing has changed ter- terribly just in the last few years and not for mm. the better, I don't think. Mm-hmm. That was very helpful, Millie. And I think that for again for our listeners that are maybe considering they they've got something to say that I think that's that's going to help them tremendously in their way forward in their consideration. So thank you for that. Great. Um, now you were probably saying this as you were talking, but I want to make sure and call it out for our listeners because I know when you and I spoke, you used the phrase relationship publishing, mm-hmm. and, and uh, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? At the risk of sounding corny, you know, I um, I will <laughs> okay. have to say that I genuinely and truly like um, 95% of the authors I've ever published for, <laughs> and I know their families, I've been to their homes, I have socialized with them, I consider them friends, I genuinely love being in their company. There's, you know, maybe 5%. If I never saw them again, I'd be okay. But I think 95%, I am really, really um, blessed to have have the ability to have a business where I get to have, you know, I mean, I tell people this and, you know, hopefully they, you know, maybe in the early days they don't believe it, but I've been known to say, you know, if you were my sister, I couldn't, I couldn't, produce a better book for you than I'm going to produce. So we work so diligently and work so hard for our authors. And we, 
we all the people I hire are all pleasers and they're talented and they they get they get it and you know I've I've had to you know even my designers sometimes I have to pull them away from a project and say it's done it's ready to go because they're still perfecting it and perfecting it and perfecting it and uh, and again I don't make money when the book sells I mean my, all the money goes you know to the authors and so you know but we are so proud and um, that we want it to be the best it can be and plus now you know let's let's be honest here that if the book does well, you're going to come back and you're going to print more books and then you're going to write another book and then you're going to refer people to Brown Books. And, you know, so that it does come back to me, but I have to be patient and uh, work hard for for all of that business that will come to me in the future if you are successful. So my whole philosophy is your success is my success. And, you know, it just is, it is, it feels good to be able to have, you know, all these friends, these people that we do have wonderful relationships with that, um, that we, you know, uh, are helping to be successful. And, you know, I mean, tears are just, you know, normal around here when, when I hand an author their book, um, you know, it's it's a very, you know, we're working, we, we, we work together a long time. I mean, the average project from beginning to end is going to be anywhere from eight months to a year. So you're you're seeing us, we're seeing you, we're getting to know you very well. Uh, we're like an old married couple, we're going to have ups and downs, you know, it doesn't always it doesn't always go smoothly. There'll be right. some, you know, some little tweak. Somebody forgot to do. You know, it's it's a real relationship, and it's not perfect, but it's real and it's genuine. And um, we are here for the authors, and that's something that um, I, you know, the people that I hire, I, I can't pay them to care. I just have to hire people who are wired that way, and mm-hmm. people, and you know, and I, and I lead, I lead the company. So people, they get it when they start here from day one that this is a place that we are here for the authors. It's not about us; it's for the authors. And I mentioned my COO that came out of New York Publishing. He said it took him a good six months before he realized he fully, fully, fully could understand because this is so different than traditional publishing. In traditional publishing, they're making all the money when the books sell, except for obviously the you know, the best selling authors who do get those million dollar advances, then then they're very well taken care of. But for the average author, um, you know, they're out they're out there on their own. It's like good luck, get out there and sell books and make us some money. And we, you know, I created a an agency two years ago. I have the agency at Brown Books and it's a PR, social media, uh, marketing, uh, and sales agency. And I get people who have self-published even, and if they've got a good book, it has to be really, really, really good, and they're just running into brick walls, we'll consider taking them in and helping them promote their book. We can put them in distribution. So I have morphed into something that is all things to all people, but it works. And um, I'm... You know, I'm always looking to the future. I'm always looking down the road. So I'm sort of the the I guess I'm the stereotypical uh, visionary um, because I saw um, I saw this new era in publishing in you know twenty almost twenty three years ago, and people I'm sure there were some people who just thought I was 
a little bit dingy or, you know, for sure the vast majority of people in publishing, matter of fact, everybody in publishing, they wouldn't give me the time of day because it was like, sure, little lady, sure, 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 you're a publisher. And I... And, and I had to insist. I had to insist. I am a publisher, and um, I got offended and insulted. And it was like, just wait and see. And you know, so it feels so good. And you know, today that um, I have achieved my dream of being a real publisher, and I've shown all those naysayers. So um, it uh, it's working for me, but more importantly, it's working for the authors. Uh, Millie, that is so wonderful. I, I want—I definitely want to ask you this question. I mean, you've got thousands of books published, and I, and you called yourself an entrepreneur earlier. Um, I'm interested to understand what do you think? What would you attribute your success to? You've done something different. That's got to be part of it. Um, we've got just a couple minutes before we have to go on break. So, what what would you attribute your success to? You know, I would have to say a huge dose of it is going to be. Uh, adjusting, adjusting to changes because this industry has been anything but stable. So really being able to turn on a dime uh, and then just being persistent, you know, you know, just really that, you know, failure is not an option kind of a thing. And that's a mindset that, you know, you gotta, you've got to be tough in business. I hate to say it, but, you know, you, you, have to, um, you have to fight for, you know, what you have. You have to fight for, for the space that you're in and to be considered. And, um, you know, just, uh, just a couple of years ago, we just uh, got um, sales reps uh, to, to sell our books all over the country. And there were still some sales reps hanging on to old prejudices about my business model. And I'm just seeing, and my COO was handling that, and he couldn't believe it. He was, he was really not happy. But, you know, old habits die hard, and, you know, I'm growing and prospering and uh, expanding, and they're not. So, hmm, I must be doing something right. That's all I'll say. I think so, Millie. And perfect timing. We're up for our next break here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We went on the air with Millie Brown. She is an award-winning author, columnist, and the founder and publisher of Brown Books Publishing Group, which is a full-service independent publisher committed to producing high-quality, award-winning books of all genres. She joins us today from Dallas, Texas. After the break, we're going to hear about her advice for aspiring budding authors. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. 
all from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise. A-L-I-S-E at EliseCortez.com Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Millie Brown. In founding Brown Books Publishing Group, Millie ushered in a new era in publishing, helping authors navigate the often complicated world of publishing and offering expert guidance in manuscript development, creative design, fulfillment, distribution, marketing, and public relations. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. For this last segment, what we really want to do is knowing that several of you who are listening may, just may be thinking you have a book in you. We want to really devote this time to Millie's perspective on her advice and help for you as an aspiring author. So so my first question for this part then, Millie, is in your experience, when does someone really have a book in them and need to get it published? Are there any telltale signs or how would you know? Um, okay, you you ask the wrong person the wrong question because remember <laughs> I said I started out doing family histories and my right. motto back then was everybody has a book in them everybody has a story so mm-hmm. we'll we'll define when you say book we're talking about a commercial book because you know um I just think people's lives are so you know anybody that spent time on this earth needs to write their story down if not just for themselves but you know just for to leave a legacy so that's that's one set of writing um but a commercial book a book to take to the world to take to the marketplace um i you know one of the things that i did early on uh, that i didn't know was different i didn't know it was unique i it just made sense so much of what has helped me become successful is common sense <laughs> because the industry just worked in a, a different way i'm not saying they don't have common sense but people would come in with a manuscript and i would read it not for what it was but i would read it with an eye toward what it could be And then I would help them develop it toward that end. And as long as their goals, remember I talked earlier about success, whatever they, whatever success means to them. As long as someone came in and their goals aligned with what they had, I would 
be honored to publish a book for them. But if they came in with a book that maybe, you know, um, for instance, uh, you know, I, I, I have read more than my fair share of journals. Every therapist tells their patient to journal. And so people journal about you know, whatever they're experiencing. And then somebody somewhere that tells them, that's a book, you need to publish that. <laughs> and maybe not, maybe not so much. Um, and, and maybe it should be not put out there to the world. But, um, so, um, but I don't want to discourage someone, but especially if someone says, no, I just want to publish this story about depression because um, there's so many people that are hurting and I want to go out and I want to minister to those that, you know, are afflicted and I want to help people, you know, overcome this disease, then I'm all over it. I'm, but if they come in and say, no, I think people have read my journal and think it could be a bestseller and it's going to, you know, be an award. No, I'm not going to publish it then because their, their goals are not in alignment with what they have. So that's huge as far as I'm concerned. Then you throw in their personality. Is this someone who is very charismatic and very dynamic and very excited and it will make a great spokesperson and they want to go out and they want to do public speaking and they want to do media. Yeah, you know, sometimes their book can be a little bit not as great if their personality is really um, stellar because you go out there and speak, people are going to love you, they're going to buy your book. So maybe it doesn't, you know, so I, I, there's so many variables and so many factors that I look at when I meet with someone for the very, very, very first time. Um, but I want to help them. And, uh, you know, if I turn someone down, um, it's, you know, I, I look at it this way. I'm, you know, I'm saving them money because if I don't take if I don't take someone's money, they have to understand I'm a businesswoman. I'm running a business, and uh, you know, please read something into that. <laughs> you right. Don't 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 go out and try to find somebody else that'll take your money because unfortunately you will. But I think advice to authors, um, you know, they when it comes to writing, everybody is so different, and I don't subscribe to you know any of the the writing classes for the most part because I've just seen too many authors that they're all over the map as far as what works for them. Um, some people can put themselves on a schedule and they can be disciplined enough to get up every morning at 4 o'clock and write until 6 o'clock and that works for them. And other people can start writing, they get the kids to bed and everybody's, you know, it's quiet around the house and they start writing at 10 o'clock at night. And other people just kind of have to write when they're inspired, otherwise it, it, it won't come out. Um, I, I do a lot of uh, ghostwriting, a lot, a lot of ghostwriting because there are certain people uh, that just are, you know, they might be experts, authorities, spokespersons, but they just either don't have the time or the talent or the inclination to write a book themselves, so we ghostwrite it for them. But everybody is really different. I just, you know, I don't want to set anyone up for failure by telling them, this is what you must do to be successful. Um, you know, I mean, I could tell them, but then, you know, that doesn't mean that, that it's going to work for them. I have to get to know them better. I have to, you know, really kind of uh, see, you know, because life happens. And a lot of people that are writing are writing around 
their work schedules and their family life and, you know, the unexpected. So, you know, um, we, we always work around that even when we're in the publishing process. Uh, things are going to happen. And I just look for, you know, serious, dedicated people that um, have something to say. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honored to help them get out there with their message, what, whatever it might be. But whatever it is, we'll, we'll make it better. If I can't think of any, you know, ways to market the book, then I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna publish the book. I mean, I, you know, I could give lists of projects that I've turned down, uh, and I feel terrible when I do that because I know a lot of those people are just gonna get back on the, on Google, and they're gonna start looking for somebody that'll, that'll take their project on, and, and, um, then they won't have a good experience. So, to me, it's all about helping an author. When all is said and done, they are going to, this is a, highlight of their life, uh, and I have plenty, plenty, plenty of testimonials where people will will genuinely say that publishing a book was hard work, but it is one of the greatest things that they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Well, and to that end, one of the things I think about, I, I don't have a book out yet, per se, as you know, but I do have two, I have two books in which I have a chapter contribution. Um, and when I think about the work that I read, I, I teach at SMU, et cetera, the one thing that really strikes me is that I know when somebody knows something that they've written because it's easy for me to understand what they said. Mm-hmm. And so what I wonder about is when you work with authors, and I know you do for editor- editorial um, services as well, how do you recommend that authors really develop their message? I got to believe that it shows up in various forms depending on where they are in their journey. But how do you help them? We... Um, the, you, you, um, you know, and most people probably listening, if they know anything about publishing, know that, that there's different levels of publish, uh, editing. And we have invented a few new ones um, because, um, I, and I tell people sometimes that, for instance, we have a, um, there's developmental editing. Developmental editing means that the book is not ready to go not good to go, we need to develop it, and that might mean make it shorter, make it bigger, um, move some chapters around, there's, you know, there's, there's work yet to be done on the manuscript. Uh, we have several different forms of developmental editing, um, and then we have one we call developmental editing with coaching, where you get to work directly with your coach, you go back and mm. forth, and have your new best friend, and then we <laughs> just have a developmental editing, which is, you know, the, the editor will just do the markups, and then you make the changes. The, the coaching is what most people who want to be a better writer usually select, and then we coined the term uh, developmental writing. And that's for people who are really, it's kind of a trick because, well, not a trick, but it's a code for someone, it's really kind of like ghostwriting. It's someone who's not a strong enough writer, but they're really good, and they think they've written a manuscript, and I really like it, and I think it could sell, but they're not really going to be the ones to write it. So we'll go in and bring in a developmental writer who will redo it, because if I said to them, you need a ghostwriter, they would be insulted. But when I say you need a developmental writer, they're okay, right? Let's mm-hmm, do that. Yeah. So we we do whatever works. I mean, it's all, you know, if to the end, you know, we're looking for the end result is this person is going to be able to have a good publishing experience. So, um, but I I don't know that, 
You know, I can think of one book that I ever published that did not need a developmental edit. And and the the, the people, the, the houses in New York, they've got it down. It's, you know, when I was talking earlier about they have literary agents, the literary agent does not present it to the publisher, for the most part, until it is almost ready to be published. I mean, they've refined that and refined it, and it's really um, a good and product. I'm not like that. I mean, I, we read lots of stuff that just came out of the computer <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, we have to be very, oftentimes we have to really, um, we review every manuscript that we're interested in. And I read the reviews to the authors and in the section, the editorial, uh, the editors give me a little section. Uh, I have them, um, it's it's I have a little uh, it says uh, off the record and the reviewers will fill in their opinions off the record and they I don't they don't know that I read the off the record to the author and the reason I do that is because you can't have thin skin if I'm going to no. say something to do to you about your manuscript and you're going to get hostile or you're going to get defensive or you're not going to take it in the vein that it's meant then we're not going to work together it's that simple. Um, but most people who understand how this works are going to be appreciative and thrilled that we would be so candid with them. Um, so, you know, the, the it all begins with the editorial component, and, you know, that's where the real, real, real heavy lifting is, is done when it comes to publishing a book. Mm, wonderful. Very, very lovely. Uh, we we are almost out of time here, Millie, but I do like to give my guest, if you will, the last word. So if you could just share maybe in like one minute or less, any final pearls of wisdom you want to leave with us? Any th- any final thoughts with our listeners? You know, I kind of would circle, I'd like to circle back to what I was talking about that um, I just, you know, uh, I get a lot of people who don't publish, don't get around to writing until they retire, and that's okay. I'm not telling people to, you know, that's what works for them, but I get lots and lots of people who just don't ever find the time until they actually, you know, are are off the clock, and I, I don't know. I just, I think that it can be publishing a book or just writing it, you know, don't even worry about, you know, where it goes, but for, for those of you that are really kind of, you know, thinking about it or have something that is that you wrote a long time ago and it's, you know, it's it's sitting in your computer and, you know, I would hate it that you wait until you're 80 years of age to come see me to see if it's marketable uh, because then sometimes the, you know, the, 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 the window has closed. Um, but, you know, just, you know, if you think you've got something that does have potential, you know, talk to someone that you trust. Talk to someone, not mom and dad, not your kids, you know, just an impart, maybe a third person, somebody you respect that doesn't really know you that much, somebody that will be honest with you. But go for Millie, it. Whatever, we're out of time, Millie. Think, perfect. Oh. So go for it. I love that. What a great way to finish. Go for it. Is that your final word? Go for it. That, 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 I guess so. <laughs> okay. Millie, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure oh, to have you with us. Thank you so much. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. If you want to learn more about Millie Brown or Brown Books Publishing Group, visit brownbooks.com. So if you've got a book and you know someone else who does, maybe you've got something useful out of the show that I hope you'll be able to pass on for yourself or for, for them. 
Join us next week when we'll be on the air with Craig Carter, who is a Dallas Information Technology Executive. We'll be talking about his unique approach to developing his people by coaching them to develop their leadership brand. See you next week. Remember that work is one-third of your life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Work.